Hello, and welcome to the Divorced Dadvocate, where we help dads create a healthier and less traumatic divorce. My name is Jude Sandoval. I am your host, and I am so pleased today to welcome a relationship trainer. But before I introduce him and uh, we start chatting today, uh, I'd like to remind you that the divorce quiz is still up at the website and we do have a custom URL for it now. We're moving up in this world. It is thedivorcequiz.com. So you can check out thedivorcequiz.com and the divorce quiz helps you gauge a little bit of where you are at in the divorce process, whether you're divorced or going through a divorce compared to others who have gone through the process. And once you get those results, we can sit down, we can chat about them if you'd like free of charge and kind of see where uh, you need to do a little bit uh, of work or maybe uh, a little bit of focus. So check that out at the website under the divorce quiz tab or at the divorcequiz.com. So my guest today, like I said, is a relationship trainer. I wish I had a relationship trainer way back uh, in the beginning uh, when I was dating, probably in my teens would have been beneficial. Uh, He's also an NLP uh, practitioner. He's certified in timeline therapy as well as hypnotherapy. And his goal is to show people how to fall in love, stay in love and prevent breakups. Please welcome and welcome to the show, Ernie Solovec. Hi, Jude. How are you? I'm doing great, Ernie. Thanks for being here today. So we had chatted about uh, conversing on mistakes dads make during relationships, as well as what kids want from uh, from us during and in our in our relationships. Uh, but before we talk about that, share with share with the audience a little bit why you became uh, a relationship trainer. I think it's incredibly important because, like I said, I wish I had somebody in my teens helping me through this stuff because then it's just been a lifetime of like messing up a lot. So I wish I had Ernie way back when. But tell us what what got you into that. Mine goes back. Oh, about 30-odd years ago. So my, uh, my own story starts way back as well. I got married at the age of 23 here in Sydney, Australia, hence my accent for those of you who are overseas or for <laughs> me who are overseas. And we have a lot of Australian listeners, by the way. Oh, fantastic. It's, so it's, that'll be it's, number, it's the number three country of our listeners behind the United States, the UK, and Australia. Wow, that's interesting. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I got married at the age of 23. We were together for four years before that. We knew each other for four years. And admittedly, I was never in love with the with the, with now ex-wife. I loved her. I wasn't in love with her. And we got married. We stayed married for about seven years. And we broke up. And then I fell in love with a new woman who we just had a connection where I, I was living in Canberra at the time, even though I was born in Sydney, and she lived in Sydney. And even though we were 300 kilometres apart, we had such a connection that I knew whether she, how she was feeling without even being on the phone. We just had that like a spiritual connection, emotional connection. 
And without even communicating, like I said, on the phone or or whatever, we we just knew how how we felt. And I thought, well, that's different. And I've spoken with a lot of men about this, and they go, "What are you talking about?" So it seems to be, I seem to be one of those small percentages of what men have uh, experienced. Women understand more what I talk about when I talk about the connection. Men, unfortunately, don't. These days, I know how to create that. So, which is because women are looking for that connection, and um, men generally don't know what I'm like. I said, don't know what I'm talking about. So, um, as a result of that, that lasted for about fifteen months, and she felt like she couldn't commit. So she, so this new lady felt that she, so she committed to not committing, basically. <laughs> anyway, so in amongst all that and the pain from that, and. Just the, just the whole hassle of going through a divorce, even though I didn't have kids. <laughs> yeah, the whole concept of, of getting divorced and just the solicitors and everything else and dividing a house and the dog and, and the car and everything else was gut-wrenching and heart-wrenching. So I started reading some books on relationships, which I saw in bookshops, and I bought some home study courses and... Just did all the research I could on relationships that I that I could get my hands on, and I found a lot of it was very theoretical or unpractical. And so I began to just ask people who are married for at least ten years and still happily married, and just ask them what are the secrets. And after speaking with hundreds of people and then even having my own little workshops of small groups of people of between two to ten people and um, just getting life stories from, from people who of things that they have done and then me being able to share what I've learned as well over the years, I've learned basically what I pass as the secrets to a loving relationship. And I have found that... In a loving relationship, men and women want different things. Mm, okay, so if I can interrupt you briefly here, because I do want to get into that. But mm -hmm. so it sounds like um, you like uh, like others uh, that are coaches or myself that's gone through divorce just had an experience where you wanted to to be able to help others in figuring out the. And sharing some of the knowledge and wisdom that uh, that you've uh, gained through going through the process, correct? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so I'm curious. You mentioned something that I that I thought was interesting, and that was uh, the point about uh, men not exactly knowing how to talk about or deal with emotions, or maybe some of these things where it might be a little bit more natural for for women. Sure. And this kind of dovetails into to a little bit about our topic, right, of uh, you know, what, uh, what mistakes dads or men might be making in, in relationships. Share, you know, maybe one or two of those that, that you see that now that we are aware of that, that we can maybe put some focus on and, and some effort towards that would, uh, would help. Sure. Well, yes, a lot of women, especially going back, say, 20, 30 years ago, would say that men don't have feelings. Men, or as boys, we were taught up, especially us 40, 50, 60-year-olds, we were raised to say boys don't cry. So if we fall down and hurt ourselves and 
scrape our knee, we would normally cry. And then we were told by the parents, the doctor, the teachers, whoever, would say, boys don't cry. So we learned to bottle up our emotions. And being a therapist as well as a trainer, I now see how damaging that repressing emotions can be because a lot of that can create a lot of different diseases within the body. And a lot of my work with couples or even individuals is really releasing and bringing up those emotions and then releasing them. And that's a large part of the healing process is letting letting go of those emotions because they've been bottled, bottled up. Um, my sister, for example, she was daddy's little girl until they moved to a, to a different house and then I, soon, soon afterwards I was born and I was a very downtrodden place and so my parents kept on working on the house to do it up. And so my sister raised me to a large extent and um, whenever I used to cry, my parents would come down off the roof or from wherever, whatever they were doing and then my sister would get the uh, belting and get blamed. So my sister was also taught by my parents, which come from Europe, mm. mind you, typical European backgrounds. She also was, was, was beaten by a belt and told to shut mm. up. So even my sister. So it's not only the men that are being told to uh, not show their feelings, even women, yet it's more so where girls were allowed to show more of their emotions than men. Yeah. Okay. So... So what you're describing is what I call adaptive behaviors. And we talk about quite a bit on, on the show is, is things that, uh, that we've learned in our upbringing at some point that have, uh, that served a purpose or a need at the, at the time. And, and it seems to be a general team, uh, general theme in, in talking to not only men, but other, other, th- other coaches and therapists that, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of what's, uh, what we've brought to a relationship uh, that, that may now have uh, you know, come to an end since, or is, is coming to an end in, in divorce has, has not served us well because it's not it, the dynamic. It, it contributed to a dynamic that was unhealthy, but we didn't know that. And so to divorce, uh, then kind of serves as a wake up call to, you know, what it is that that's happened because we're hopefully none of us go through it more than one time. You said you've only been through it one time. I only have two. So this is good. Hopefully that means we're learning, right? You don't want to, you don't want to do anything painful more than one time. Right. Uh, although, you know, I, I think I beat myself, my head against the wall sometimes, and, and I don't learn fast enough. But, you know, yeah. hopefully we're learning through that process and divorce is a good opportunity to be able to, to look at uh, look at that and go, oh, OK, like you described beautifully with your story of your sister and, and you that you know, those behaviors then bring you into your your adult life and uh, in your relationships, are there are there other ones uh, uh, things that that you see with with men that that they may bring you you mentioned the you mentioned the the emotions and the the kind of stoicism and that's one that I've experienced. Are there there other ones that that you recognize or that you see with clients? Sure, one big difference between men and women is men 
don't differentiate between who they are and what they do. Mm. So a man is his job. Okay, so a man relates to his job and says, I'm a builder, I'm a plumber, I'm a train driver, I'm a pilot, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer. <clears throat> Whereas with women, they relate more. <clears throat> Sorry, that will have to get edited. <clears throat> No worries. <laughs> women genuinely relate more to the family. You ask a woman who she is and she'll say, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, I'm a sister. Females generally relate more to the family or to the whole relationship. And as a result, men seem to, or to women anyway, they seem to be more disconnected. And that can cause an issue. And it... I'm not. I'm not that old yet. If you, if you, I'm sure we've all heard the stories about around the 1930s during the Great Depression, men were jumping out of windows out of buildings because they lost their job and they right. losing their job. They felt like they lost their identity, right? Because they couldn't provide for the family and they lost their identity. It was well, they thought it was easy just to jump out of windows solve the problem, right? Which, really didn't solve the problem at all because they left the wife and kids behind to right so that's that that's an issue for a lot of men and so i'm so i'm hearing you say that like so men's masculine nature tends to be missional like what their mission in life is what they're doing that could be their it could be their it could be their work and oftentimes and and probably a major for a majority of men it is work right their jobs or their career or or whatever it might be their business correct that's their that's their mission but for other men it could be their family i mean their mission or their whatever that that could be their their mission also or their um church or, or whatever it may be um, and and that's different than um than like how women may approach when you say, when you just answer the, or you, you ask the question, which you said, like, who are you or what you do? Um, you know, who, who are you is an open-ended question, right? So it's kind of interesting if you'd ask a hundred people that take 50 men and 50 women and, and see what they, they come up with. And maybe we'll do that sometime. But um, the thing I, I wanted to, to, to correlate to this was that during divorce, that seems to be a very challenging thing probably for anybody but particularly for men because then everything's like in chaos and turned upside down and then your identity as maybe a, a, a family man or a dad or um or whatever it is or maybe you're having to change jobs or your career is changing or selling your business just all gets thrown into chaos speak to that a little bit i think one of the big reasons for that is men focus very well Hmm. Men cannot do 10 things at the same time. Women can. <laughs> and so when a divorce happens is because a relationship is so multifaceted or so multi it has so many aspects to it, it really puts a guy into overwhelm because there's so many different things to think about. The wife, the, the finances, the house, the children, the job, the dog, the car. And they have to think, go from thinking about focusing on one thing to focusing on everything, which for most men is really hard thing to do, if not impossible. And um, here's, a, here's a very quick example. There's a wife that came to her husband after, I think they were married for about 20 years from memory, and she came up to him and um, she said, 
he was in the lounge room and he, she said, what are the flowers, what are the colours of flowers in the kitchen? And he said, mm-hmm. what? And she asked, what are the, what are the colour of the flowers in the kitchen? And he says, I don't know. And she said, that's why I'm divorcing you. Right. So right. in the early days when we start dating someone, we notice everything. We want to know everything. We've noticed everything. If they've had a, sh- if they've had a shave, if they've had a new haircut, if they've got new shoes, new dress, we notice everything. And most men love the chase. And then when we've got that woman, we think, oh, we can sit back and relax. <laughs> right. and, and from a woman's perspective, she thinks whatever it took for you to get me, it's going to take you three times as much for you to keep me. So with this man and, and the uh, flowers, somewhere over, over time, somewhere over time, he stopped noticing not only the house, he also stopped noticing her. So she felt ignored. If that makes sense. Yep. He was noticing her. So, yeah, she was, like, invisible. And that's why she divorced him. So getting back as to um, what you're asking, yeah, because men focus on one thing really, really well. When it comes to divorce, like I was like saying before, there are so many different aspects to it. It's just hard for, for them to take it all in and cope, which is why there's so many suicides, there's so many... Unfortunately, so many um, mental health issues during divorce. And then I'm sure it's the same in America. In Australia, the family law court is not very favourable towards the male species. For now, we'll see what that's like in 10, 20 years. Things, I believe, are slowly going to change. So that's, I think, largely the reason why why men have such a hard time through divorce because... They've been so focused on their job or themselves and to become successful, and then this comes along and just knocks them over for you know for a six up, right? Just right, knocks them over. Yeah. So let's let's shift to to kids now because that was the second part of what we wanted to talk about uh, today, mm-hmm. and the in and what the kids want, and in in the context of of divorce and going through divorce. And I always say that this is an opportunity because in any great, in any great difficult challenge, there's, there's an opportunity. And particularly with being able to model something that you would otherwise not be able to model for the children going through this, but talk a little bit about what specifically you feel is what kids are looking for from their parents during this process. The, the, probably the biggest thing kids need to know from their parents is that they are loved irregardless, mm-hmm. no matter what happens. So often a child will go to a mum or a dad or let's choose fathers here and say, Dad, what happens if I fail the test? Dad, what happens if I don't make the soccer team, the football team, the cricket team, the basketball team? What happens if I don't get into university? And you know what a lot of fathers do or parents do? What do you mean if you don't make it? If you put the time in and you study and you blah, 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 you'll, you'll get what you want. It's cause and effect. It's simple. And what the kid really wants to hear is nothing's going to happen. I'm going to love you irregardless. 
Yeah. And a lot, and a lot of the, you, like with, with teenage suicides, it's not your high school dropouts. It's not, your, it's not the teens on drugs. It's not the ones who get pregnant at a young age. It's the high achievers. And then hmm. they, when they feel that it gets too much and that they're not loved or accepted for who and what they are, it gets too much and they end their lives. It's really the high achievers. She was a cheerleader captain, or captain of the, of the cheerleaders. He was a captain of the football team. He, he was number one in mathematics, in, in math competition. And it's all these high end achievers that end up feeling that it's too much. I'm not being loved and accepted for who I am. I've got to pretend to be something more than what I am. And like I said, when it gets too much, they end their lives. So right. it's, it's the role of the parent is to make sure that, that their child knows that they are loved no matter what. Right. And on that point, I feel like it's incredibly important during this process to continue to check in with the kids and let them know that they are loved, that both, hopefully both parents are doing this and mm-hmm. sharing with them how much they do love them, but also just reminding them that it has nothing to do with them, that the whole process, because oftentimes kids will internalize this and look and think and feel like that they had some kind of uh, impact on, on it uh, and, and that it's their fault in continuing to let them know that it's an adult thing. It's, it's a part of uh uh, something that is not that they have no impact on that they're just unconditionally loved like like you said by each parent uh, yeah. and that while it might be di- it might be different might be challenging and difficult uh, also that their parents do still love them because your point is exactly right because if you're not doing that if they don't feel that then that leads to what you what you said in the beginning of our interview that starts to manifest in things internally, right? Mentally, emotionally, um, what you just described then where they're, you know, hopefully never, this is never going to happen, but they're having thoughts of suicide or, or whatever else that then, uh, that then manifests. So giving that, that unconditional love, being there and being open and, and having the conversations. The other thing, and, and talk about this is in, in this, particularly for, for men, um, about sharing their feelings and emotions during this process with their children. Absolutely. Yeah. Being open and honest with your children, I think is the number one thing. And like you, like you said, Jude, ensure that they know that's not their fault. And also one other thing I'd like to add to ensure that, especially the love side, is to hug our kids. And when we hug our kids or touch, human beings um, need physical touch. There was an orphanage in Mexico during World War II and and another orphanage in the States. And And the ones in America, the children were dying. And the ones in America, which it was unhygienic, it was dirty and blah, 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 in, in Mexico, the kids were thriving. And the psychologists and doctors couldn't work out what was going on. And I thought, what's happening here? And what they found out was that in Mexico, every child that was in an orphanage was given like a mama who would coo and cuddle and touch the child. Whereas in America, the child was either propped up and being fed 
um, where the bottle was put on an angle where the baby could just suck in the bottle. There was no physical touch. And so physical touch for a child, for any human being really, can be the difference between life and death, literally. And so even during a divorce or a breakup between parents, I think it's really important that both parents can touch or hug their children. And they yeah. say if we hug someone for at least 20 seconds, that we release endorphins, which is our which is nature's happy drug. Since hugging our children on top of the communicate com- communication and explaining to them that's not their fault, this is just a process that adults go to or go through, sorry. And they will end up coming through it much, much healthier emotionally and mentally, I think, with those things as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's fantastic advice. And I, I think we should leave it there because it's uh it's yeah, it's it's definitely, definitely important. Ernie, uh, thank you so much for for joining us today. Where can the listeners connect with you, particularly those in Australia? Well, I do have a website and that is Everlast Therapies. That is E-V-E-R-L-A-S-T for Everlast and then Therapies, which is in plural, T-H-E-R-A-P-I-E-S.com. So everlasttherapies.com. Everlasttherapies.com. Are you on social media anywhere else? I am on Facebook. People can look me up, Ernie Solovic. Just look me up, or they can look up Everlast Therapies as well on Facebook and um, contact me there. Um, on the webpage, there's a, people can contact me via Viber, WhatsApp, on the phone, email, Facebook Messenger. There's a whole myriad of ways of contacting me if they've got any questions or just want to say hi or get to know me or for whatever reason, support, give, give me a call, give me an email, send me an email, send me a message on Messenger, and I'll get back to you. Awesome. And as always, if uh, those listening have found some value in what you've heard today, please like and please subscribe, leave a comment for us, and most definitely share it with somebody else because the man that you share it with, it could change his life. So Ernie Solovic, thanks so much for being here today. I sincerely appreciate it. No worries, Jude. Thank you very much for your time as well. And have a great day.